Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this show without the express written consent of the Financial Guys LLC is strictly prohibited. Securities offered through Peak Brokerage Services, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Independent Solutions Wealth Management or Blackridge Asset Management. Financial Guys, Independent Solutions, and Blackridge Asset Management are not an affiliate of Peak Brokerage Services, Inc. Episode four already. COVID, COVID is back and better than ever, Stefan. So we're separated today. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back next week together. But we're in two separate offices today. That's right. I got hit with the Rona. Hit hard. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I have a lot of friends and family who, for work purposes, got tested. They are positive, and they had no idea they had COVID. So everybody's symptoms are different. I mean, for me, I had a really bad flu for like three days, knocked me on my ass, and then. I recovered. So I'm still abiding by quarantine rules. And that's why we're separated. So that's why uh, we're in separate studios for those of you watching our video clips. But yeah, it just felt like a, a bad flu. I got over it. Life goes on. That, that's right. That's right. Can't be held back. And, and you know, it is what and that's the smart thing to do. Right. From what from the beginning, we've said this. The smart thing to do is to, you know, take it serious. If you're sick, stay home. Don't go to work. Don't go to certain things. And um, you're doing everything you should be. I don't think you need to, you know, not see people for the rest of your life like some of these people on the left would like, right? Or wear a mask for the rest of your life like they they want on airplanes. But, you know, I think you, you just got to be smart and do what you do. What you, if you've had a stomach flu, if you've had, uh, you know, a, a different virus, just be smart and take care of yourself. Right. I mean, if you had a cold or the flu, common sense tells you, stay home, don't infect others, recover take vitamin D and vitamin C, rest and relax, and you'll be fine. And that's exactly what I did. I stayed home. I stayed in bed. It was a rough, rough flu. I took vitamins. I recovered. And uh, in some respects, I'm glad it hit me now because now yours truly and my entire family have natural antibodies. We're going to live our life, not in fear. Life goes on. And I think that is a great segue into our guest because there is no bigger or better expert when it comes to COVID, the coronavirus, than former Donald Trump official and HHS spokesman, Michael Caputo, uh, who is known around the country. Michael, thank you for joining us. Greatly appreciate you being here. I'm Micah Mihailu. Hey, it's great to be here. Congratulations on the podcast, guys, and I'm glad you're feeling better, Stefan. Yeah, thank you. Well, actually, truth be told, and I am going to share this information, I'm feeling better in part because of you. You know, you encouraged me to take vitamin D, and that was a huge one because obviously we're located in Buffalo. You're in the Sunshine State. We don't get a lot of sunshine in Buffalo. So I loaded up on vitamin D and I believe it helped. So, Michael, from your perspective, why do you think, let's say first and foremost, I want to talk about vitamin D. So why do you think that helps when it comes to the coronavirus? Well, my, my first clue was uh, some of the conversations I had with the scientists uh, and the COVID response as assistant secretary of health at HHS, I came without, you know, scientific or medical qualifications. You know, I'm a PR guy, but that was my job, uh, promoting solutions uh, to the early COVID, uh, uh, you know, kind of emergency. Um, and in some of the discussions, when we were talking about, you know, the idea of the vaccine, I mean, the vaccine was still pretty far away. It was even um, we had just founded Operation Warp Speed. I, I was badge number four on Operation Warp Speed as Assistant Secretary. Um, it was a great idea, Operation Warp Speed, an urgency process to bring uh, the most important things to the people as fast as possible, treatments, vaccines, et cetera. And we were discussing, well, we know that obese people, you know, the elderly and others are really uh, getting hit hard by COVID. This is April of 2020. Uh, and these and people with comorbidities, you know, who had two or three different things wrong with them, uh, immune compromised. Once we get the vaccine out to these people, who's next? Because you know, as you roll out something that you just had authorized for emergency use, you're not going to have enough for the entire population. And somebody brought up in a meeting that, uh, you know, an indication of, you know, you know your, your readiness for 
a vaccine, your need for a vaccine is your vitamin D level. I thought that was odd, you know, as someone who came without medical background. I know vitamin D is something that they stuffed into my milk, you know, and something that I got from, from uh, uh, you know, from supplements. And the discussion ensued where it, it appeared early on and proved out to be completely true. Now we know this to be an absolute fact. If you have a, a low vitamin D level, you're more likely to get the disease. And if you, you know, if you have a high vitamin D level, you're, you're less likely to have a terrible outcome from the disease. Meaning if you're, if you have a, an acceptable and even a high level of vitamin D, you're less likely to get it. You're going to have, uh, you're going to handle it better if you do get it. This is no answer, uh, to a vaccine. Uh, it's not a prophylactic, it truly, but it is something that seems to, to prevent in some ways your susceptibility, uh, to the, to the virus. And I, I don't think it's unique at all to COVID. I mean, when when I saw some of this, the scientists that I really didn't trust very much, um, you know, ro- rolling their eyes during the discussion, and I was like, why are they rolling their eyes? I don't understand that. It's strange. It seems to me like something, you know, the idea being if you give a person a vitamin D test, what's your level of vitamin D? If they have a really low vitamin D level, maybe there's somebody who should be vaccinated first. And if they have a really high vitamin D level, maybe those people go further back in the line. Of course, we never went into that. The vaccines were rolled out very quickly. And, uh, you know, it was first comorbidities, first elderly. I was one of the first people to get vaccinated because I had cancer. As you know, in September of 2020, I got hit with a really uh, bad throat cancer. They thought it moved into my head. And when the vaccines became available, I was one of the first people vaccinated at Roswell Park Cancer Institute. They made that available to their patients uh, right away. Uh, I think I was in the first couple of days of of its availability. And then I had a second dose, of course, because I had Moderna uh, immediately after that. Now, when I got vaccinated, I've told you this story, Stefan. I was like the emperor with no clothes. I was sick, you know, and still in bed and still sleeping most of my life away. Uh, but you know, as I got better and as I started leaving the house a little bit, I'm like, Hey, I'm vaccinated. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to walk around basically without concerns. Um, and then, uh, I eventually my family over the summer of 2021, we moved to Florida and we can talk about why I did that. And one of the reasons I did that is because Ron DeSantis handles COVID better than any other governor. Um, but when I got down here, uh, I was became eligible for my first uh, booster. Uh, the immune compromised were among the first to be boosted. In fact, I believe I was one of the first boosted in the state of Florida because I was notified that I was authorized to get a, a, a booster. I went directly to the pharmacy to get it. And the people at the pharmacy weren't even giving it. They gave me the first one. Um, and then I transferred all my care from Roswell Park Cancer Institute, a a great institution. I thank them for for healing me. Um, But I'm, you know, by the time I moved down here, I had no evidence of disease and and I still do have no evidence. Well, and Um, let's let's talk talk about about that that very very quickly, quickly, if you don't mind, mind, because when it comes comes to your your personal personal experience, how shocking was it for you when you received test results back when it comes to your doctors in Florida about the fact that you were double vaccinated, double boosted the whole nine yards. And from your perspective, there was not a single trace of a COVID antibody in your body. It was a shocker for me as a founder of Operation Warp Speed and an advocate for the vaccines. Um, as someone who you know sat with Donald Trump as he developed the idea of Operation Warp Speed, as we staffed up that organization with top military aides, it, it you know, I sat with my doctor at the Cancer Institute here in Florida, and they, they put you put through a blood test and scans uh, because they want to know how sick you are, or how sick you were. And uh, I sat with my doctor, a great uh, uh, oncologist, and she said, you know, your your iron levels are here, your thyroid levels are here, et cetera. And, and she said, and you have no COVID antibodies. And I was stunned. I said, I, I've been vaccinated three times so far. I'm, one of the questions I'm going to ask you is when I can get my fourth, my, my second booster. She said, why would you get a second booster? It doesn't work for you. 
I was completely stunned. I'm like walking around naked like the emperor with no clothes for months, right? Why don't I have COVID? Why haven't I got, and let me tell you something, in the White House, it was, you're working this close with people. And the ventilation in the White House is from the, is I think from the, from the 19th century. It just, there's no ventilation. And I'm like this with people in the White House for months, right? And then I'm in the hospital uh, with people who were sick. After that, I'm walking around my beloved East Aurora without a mask, you know, feeling pretty good um, and still no COVID. Uh, and, and she said, when you get COVID, Michael, you are likely going to get very sick. So you need to come right to the hospital when you test positive. And I said, when I get COVID, when I get COVID, she said, yeah, you're, you're going to get COVID. Omicron is really coming in. You're going to get it. So you got to come to the hospital immediately. I was stunned, you know, because I, I'm as like, like most people, I, you know, you, Stefan, you know, nobody wants to get COVID, right? And when you get it, it can punch you in the face. Somebody who's immune compromised, you can go down really hard, right? So I was on a call with, uh, uh, the, with the DeSantis team down here in Florida and a member of the, uh, the, the Surgeon General's office. Again, uh, DeSantis handles the virus better than any governor. I sat on all the governors, well, many of the governor's calls with the president, with the secretary, with the COVID task force team. Many of them were befuddled during the early response. The only one who seemed to have a handle on things was DeSantis. It's one of the reasons we moved down here because COVID's not going away. It's gonna get, it's gonna move into an endemic status from pandemic, but it's not going away. Right? Well, and that's why I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in and then Mike has a question after mine. So uh, obviously you, with your being immune compromised, cancer, I know you're the one of the very few Trump uh, officials who had strongly encouraged people. You strongly encouraged people to get vaccinated, boosted, and hear how shocking is it the fact that for the most part, from your perspective, it didn't work. Yeah, and and so the, the DeSantis people were kind of stunned. It's ironic, really, is what it is. You know, as a guy who toured or you know went around the country on behalf of the president, encouraging his supporters to get vaccines, and by the way, getting booed at those speeches. You know, um, I was stunned, uh, and I and the, the guys in the DeSantis team, uh, the, the the Surgeon General's office, said, you know, Michael, now that you're immune compromised, and you know you are. Last week, HHS approved for emergency use authorization something called Evusheld, E-V-U-S-H-E-L-D. It is a monoclonal antibody that is authorized for emergency use for immune compromised people as a prophylactic, you know, as a way to avoid, not as a treatment, as a prophylactic. So you need to go get that now. We just got a shipment in and here are the places where you can go, go get them. I went, stood in line. And I got Evershield. And two weeks later, um, as Stefan, I was giving a speech in Dallas, Texas, uh, on behalf of the president at a fundraiser. And uh, two weeks into the Evershield shots, it's two shots, one in each cheek, and I don't mean these cheeks. Um, I just threw up in my mouth at that thought, by the way, so let's just keep... <laughs> well, two weeks later, you're at maximum. It is really kicking in, right? So I'm, after the speech, I called my wife and said everything went well. It was a nice visit. I love Dallas. And, uh, and she said, Michael, the girls and I, we have COVID. Our whole family has COVID. You can't come home. You're going to get sick. And I was stunned again. Like I was around. I didn't get COVID. I, I decided to come home and just stay in the, you know, you've been to my house, Stefania. I stayed in the, the, the other side of the house. And, uh, when I was around my family in the house, I wore an N95. And, uh, the way we only really got together outside on walks. I never got COVID. I've still not gotten COVID. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons why is vitamin D, my friend. I'm After sitting through those meetings at, at, uh, at, at, uh, at HHS and in the White House, watching these kind of questionable guys roll their eyes like, oh, my gosh, another vitamin D, you know, evangelist. Um, I started reading up on it. And these are there are scientific studies at you know out of the NIH and out of the US government the same people who are rolling their eyes at it that prove that 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 vitamin D is actually um uh, an indication you know if you have high like i said high vitamin D you're less likely to get it and if you get it you're going to have a better outcome than if you have low vitamin D and i also discovered through a lot of the studies that i read and i must have read 300 400 pages of studies that the you know you can you, you can uh 
uh, supplement for vitamin D. Uh, but the best way to get vitamin D is what? Sun. Go out and get sun. So I started going out and almost immediately upon arriving here. Uh, I started in an East Aurora, actually. Um, but uh, uh, when I got here, you know, one of the things I have to do uh, for my cancer recovery is walk. And I got to walk a lot because, the, you know, after losing 120 pounds, it does real damage to your muscles. So I'm walking. And so I decided I'm walking shirtless, right? I'm in the sun. According to the studies, 15 minutes of direct sun on your on your torso um, is a tremendous uh, way to naturally uh, bring vitamin D to your system. And vitamin D has an important role on developing your immune system. So I'm doing this on a regular basis. I'm not out there laying in the sun, you know, tanning for four hours. I'm out for 15 to 30 minutes without a shirt on walking through my town. Um, I apologize to my neighbors for that. <laughs> I was uh, just going to say, like, I mean, that's a sight to see. Michael Caputo, bare chested. Let's right. go, folks, walking around. Um, <laughs> I do want to ask a question about Ron DeSantis, but first, I know Mike wants to chime in with a with a quick uh, Let me just say one thing before we go. Sure. Also, I also just do it on the back porch. I'm, I'm in a theology master's program now. I have to do a lot of reading. I'll take off my shirt and go on the back porch. Natural production of vitamin D through access to sun is a way to keep yourself healthy. And by the way, from my perspective and from the perspective of a lot of doctors, it is a way to live with this virus. We're all going to have to learn how to live with COVID. It's going into an endemic phase. Actually, we're going into another spike. One way to, to, to get, you know, to stay better and, and, and keep out of reach of it. And if you get it, have a better outcome is go out in the sun. That's it. It's summertime in Buffalo. In the winter, you have to uh, you have to you know supplement, but go out in the sun. Don't be afraid of it, and the sun itself will help you. So, so Michael, that kind of leads into where I'm going here. So, you were on the the original you know I'll call it task force, right? Operation Warp Speed. You were there, ready to go. You know, learning about this as it was happening, making decisions with the team as it was happening. In the beginning, I understand, obviously thinking about the vaccine as the answer, right? Because we didn't have any other answers and we didn't know anything back then. Two years later, we are still this one size fits all approach society of you got to be vaccinated. You got to wear your mask 24 seven. That's how you beat this thing. Well, in your, in your scenario, that's not the case, right? I'm unvaccinated. Uh, I I've never been tested positive. I think I've had it a couple of times uh, at under 30 years old. My chances of dying from this vaccine or from this virus are 0.04%, something along those lines, 0.5%. You know, for someone like me, my thought process is I'll take my chances because I'm young and healthy and it is what it is. If I get it, just like if I get the stomach flu or if I get something else, my body will fight it. Um, when will the narrative change with people in our country that it's not just being vaccinated that's everything? You're bringing up vitamin D as a point, Right. There's other things, monoclonal antibodies, whatever you, you name it, ivermectin maybe. When is that going to be talked about as, a, as an answer to this instead of just vaccine, 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 mask, mask, mask? You know what I mean? Well, it's you, you bring up an interesting point because things really changed when uh, Joe Biden came into office. Um, and, and I'll go through it with you. It's interesting because uh, when Operation Warp Speed first started, it was about vaccines treatments and tests, vaccines, treatments and tests, uh, an urgency process to throw billions of dollars at developing vaccines, treatments and tests equally. So in one third, one third, one third effort, one third, one third, one third money. And then they quickly peeled tests out and assigned them to Dr. Brett Joie, the admiral in uh, the, the public health service admiral, who was assistant secretary of health. Because as, as you might recall, uh, the CDC blew tests early on in the in, in COVID. They absolutely uh, they they were developing a brand new test instead of going with existing tests, and they uh, the the samples and everything were completely messed up, and the whole testing development process went south. We had to start all over again. Operation Warp Speed became just treatments and vaccines. Testing went directly to Jawa who was really, it was a real struggle for all of us because testing was so badly muffed by the CDC. 
And uh, we put equal amounts of, of effort in the, in the treatments as vaccines. We were looking at monoclonal antibodies really early on. And as it turns out, monoclonal antibodies are, are a, a, you know, I'm on one as a prophylactic. And, and by the way, it doesn't just work on the immune compromised. Evasheld works for everyone. Why aren't we giving it to everyone? Probably a supply issue. Probably also an issue that maybe people won't want the vaccine if they get Evasheld. Right. And that's the thing. All, you know, big pharma is making a boatload of money selling vaccines and not talking about those alternative treatments. And uh, Stefan also, uh, it, I don't think it's a big secret that, that people who retire from government and go off into the private sector, people who retire from HHS, a FDA, NIH, you know, CDC, they go to work for big pharma. So the decisions they make while they're in government, are they influenced by big pharma? You tell me. Right. Uh, and Michael, real quick, can we ask your question more directly, yep. Mike? I'm fine. Yep. Um, we shifted into uh, 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 vaccines and treatments. Uh, we put a lot of effort into them. Uh, I uh, I watched and I was stunned when they first they approved hydroxychloroquine uh, as a uh, as a treatment and with an emergency use authorization. There is proof out there that it works. In a you know the efficacy is not as good as you might want um, with a treatment. But it works for many people. And then all of a sudden, we got a notification from the FDA staff team that they were pulling the emergency use authorization. As I know, none of the senior leadership, the political appointees at HHS, were a part of that decision. You know, the FDA director has to sign off on it, but he wasn't a part of the deliberations. Hydroxychloroquine got pulled off the table in a huge surprise. And we had to be the ones to tell the White House it was going to be pulled. You can imagine how stunned President Trump was. They were pulling, uh, you know, an efficacious but with limited uh, effectiveness, uh, 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 you know, treatment in hydroxychloroquine. Ivermectin didn't even get consideration. Um, of course, neither of them are expensive. Uh, they're both basically in generic form now. And the countries that, like, for example, hydroxychloroquine is a treatment that uh, for uh, uh uh, I can't remember the name of the disease, but it's a uh, tropical disease. And uh, people in Africa take hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic for that disease, uh, malaria, on a regular basis. And somehow or another, uh, COVID didn't trash Africa like it trashed America and other places that don't suffer from malaria. Ivermectin in use uh, uh, regularly. Uh, in other nations was proving to be effective, but this, but you know, the FDA didn't even really consider ivermectin. However, let me answer your question. As soon as Biden came in, they trashed Operation Warp Speed. They they basically ended it. Um, they destroyed uh, the leader of it, uh, Dr. Monsef Slawi, destroyed him, um, and the military who were involved in it one by one by one left and retired. And they removed treatments from the urgency process and focused entirely on vaccines. They even renamed Operation Warp Speed. You know what they renamed it? Right. Nobody knows because Operation Warp Speed was such an effective branding process. And I don't have long enough arms to pat myself on the back, but I named it. I know what I'm doing when it comes to branding. Don't know much about medicine and health. I know about branding. Operation Warp Speed was trashed by the Biden administration. They focus entirely on vaccines. Uh, we, we fell behind in the development of treatments. And uh, one of the reasons we focus so heavily on vaccines is an early decision by the Biden administration that this was going to be the, the magic uh, uh, solution to COVID. It's not. And I'm going to say this too, Stefan, right before you jump in on DeSantis again. I, I think the way that the Biden administration has approached it and the way that a lot of liberal politicians like in our great state of New York here, like Kathy Hochul and Andrew Cuomo have done, it makes people like me who, you know, I'm not anti-vax by any means. I was vaccinated as a child. I, I you know, believe in science. I understand that it works. I just don't believe in something that was created two years ago. And I don't have full data on anything. I don't care whether it's COVID or the vaccine. We don't know the data on, on the long-term health effects of everything. But they just keep slapping you in the face with it. And they wonder why people are just sick and tired of it and don't want to deal with it. Right? Like, if you keep hitting me with the same crap over and over again, and then you guilt me, like, I'm an idiot because I don't get the vaccine or I'm 
a, a killer because I don't get the vaccine. They wonder why people like me are like, yeah, yeah, I'm good over here. I, I'll wait it out and see what happens later. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, there, I, I know what I believe part of the problem is communications. As the lead communicator, assistant secretary for public affairs during COVID, um, I, I tried to convince people and, and I did. And then when I got sick, uh, they trashed the program. Uh, and spent all the money on traditional communications. Public health communications for a hundred years has been based upon the idea that a little white lie is okay as long as the public moves in the direction that we need to make sure everyone is well. A little white lie, like for example, masks don't work and then suddenly they do, right? Tell a little white lie and everybody, if, if they move in the right direction, then it's lying for good. That worked probably in the 50s, 40s, it clearly did. Um, but when everybody's got an Encyclopedia Britannica in their pocket, you know, in their smartphone, little white lies are figured out in seconds, right? So I, you know, the president and I and uh, uh, Larry Kudlow, uh, Kellyanne uh, Conway, uh, we decided that we were going to directly address public health communications by telling the truth. Um, and and moving it out there. And whenever somebody came out that we thought was putting out misinformation or disinformation about, let's say, for example, vaccines, we would debate them directly, directly, address them directly, invite them to debate on Zoom or whatever, that specific instance, right? And if we lose that debate, we correct our communications, right? But instead, when, you know, these COVID doctors came out, uh, uh, out in, in front of the Supreme Court. You remember that press conference when I was in people in the white jackets? Uh, Dr. Ladapo, who is now the Surgeon General of Florida, was among those doctors. Uh, they trashed them, trashed them uh, for things that had nothing to do with COVID and going back in their past and finding ways to discredit them. That's how they, they communicate public health. They don't give us full information on the downsides of the vaccines. They refuse to do it. Why? The CDC says, because people might use this for misinformation. In fact, we need all the facts. We can't get all the facts. And that contributes to people like you, Mike, who just don't trust public health communications. And you have good reason not to because they're intentionally not telling you everything. That's but a shame. It's a shame. They're also giving us the misinformation, Michael. For example, Dr. Fauci in February of 2020. Oh, yeah, we don't need masks. Are you kidding me? Masks don't do anything. Two months later, everybody's got to be masked, right? CNN doctors, Fauci, you can't spread COVID if you get the vaccine. If you get the vaccine, you can't spread it. You can't get it. Well, guess what? You can and you can, right? Like they're the ones giving us the misinformation. We don't have to worry about trolls on Twitter like Stefan and I, right? You guys, not you, but you guys, Dr. Fauci, Walensky, you're giving it to us. We right. don't even have to create it. Right. No, no doubt. But the, the, we know now, and Fauci said it. I, I know Tony Fauci. You know, I've spent a lot of time with him. He cooked me breakfast once. I, I like the guy. I mean, I know people hate him. I, I, I just, I, you know, Dr. Fauci, by the way, uh, chaired my second opinion panel for my cancer. He organized a group of doctors to interview all my, you know, the, the, my first opinion on treatment and my second opinion. I mean, Dr. Fauci called my GP to interview her about my condition. So, you know, Dr. Fauci had, has a, had, you know, had a role in, in my healing. So I, I, I have a different opinion of Tony Fauci than many people do. But he admitted as much on television that when he said that we don't need masks, it's because we didn't have any masks and they thought people were hoard, would hoard them. But see, that's 1950s-style public health communications. A little white lie will help people move in the right direction, right, so that we do the right thing. Um, about uh, the vaccines, if you get the vaccine, you can't pass it on. I, I got to tell you, I, I'm a little confused by that, uh, but I think the confusion comes from the fact that, that we didn't know, and yet they said with great confidence things that they didn't know, um, and and that moved people to get vaccines. You know, we, we heard from, uh, I guess it was Tony Fauci or somebody else, they were talking about lockdowns in Shanghai. This was a recent interview with somebody from the, from the COVID task force. And they were talking about these lockdowns in Shanghai. And are, are they going to start doing these lockdowns in the United States again? And that person said, we do lockdowns in order to get people to be vaccinated. Uh, uh, to me, that that sounded like 1950, right? Well, the fact of the matter is, 
If people choose to be vaccinated, they will be vaccinated. Mandates don't work. Lockdowns don't work. And lying doesn't work. And, I, you know, I encourage people to get vaccines if their doctor says they should. If you don't want to get one, God bless you. I, I think that's, you know, that's your personal decision. Same thing with masks. Uh, but one thing I want, we should mandate vitamin D, by the way. Lock everybody down and give them glasses of milk because <laughs> it does work. For 15 minutes of sunshine. You know, but before we wrap up the COVID discussion, because I want to go to a rapid fire and a lot of other topics, too. You know, I was at a funeral recently for a beloved Franciscan friar. And every single Franciscan, uh, when they join the order, they have to fill out a form of who they want to celebrate their funeral, do the readings, the homily. And this form says, on the occasion of your death. Now, it doesn't say if you die. It doesn't say maybe if that comes around. That's very definitive on the occasion of your death. So the last point I think we want to make on this one, isn't the overall message, live your life? Yeah. We're going to die of something someday. So why live in fear about a disease that for, for the most part is the common cold or the flu? That's true. You know, um, uh, Stefan, you know, uh, I'm in this master's program for theology. Uh, you know, people look at me and say, you're doing what? You know, you? Um, but I have a lot of questions about life after they tried to put me in prison and failed because I did nothing wrong with the Russiagate hoax. And then uh, uh, I got cancer and didn't die, even though some people said that I would. Uh, I got cancer that was supposed to have moved to my brain and it didn't. I have a lot of questions about why. Right. So I'm in this master's program in theology. And I my first class was on C.S. Lewis, a great uh, author, not just an apologist and a, and a theologian but also the author of The Chronicles of Narnia, a, a great series, which I was thrilled to know that it was going to be a part of the class. I, I, you know, I felt like I was 12 again. Um, but one of the things he said in a letter that he wrote uh, uh, about uh, living in an atomic age, he wrote this in the 50s uh, to a friend. He said, you know, should we all live in fear because the atomic bomb is out there? You know, we all have an appointment with death. We all do. We're, we all have been condemned to death. The question is when it will happen. And you hope that it's not a horrible solution. But in reality, says, how do you meet the atomic bomb? Hopefully you meet it reading to your children, you know, uh, having a pint, playing darts with your friends, living your life and being happy. That's truly uh, the answer, I believe. C.S. Lewis got it right. How do you live with COVID? You live your life happy and maybe serving your God or perhaps serving your community, being with your children. And another thing, uh, I, I attended the lecture, a lecture the other night, uh, which happened to be on, on C.S. Lewis and courage. And the professor quoted another thing that C.S. Lewis said, and I'll look at it for a second. He said something on the lines of ultimately no amount of precautions can truly navigate our fears. We understand that as deeply as we can in our souls. We know that. Those kind, that kind of knowledge is, is deeply inscribed within. We know this. And fear, unfortunately, breeds hate. Fear does not breed courage. We need a nation of courage. And courage is born of different things, but it's not hate and it's not fear. And ultimately, no amount of precautions are going to make us courageous people. And ultimately, hiding in your basement to meet the, the atomic bomb it's just no way to live. And Stefan, if I could start the, the round table a little bit, because this is still partly COVID, but it's it's more of a, a rapid fire question. Uh, Michael, I'm sure you saw what Tony Fauci said. This is going to come out next week. So people be like that happened last week. But you saw what Tony Fauci said yesterday about the CDC should have more power, essentially, than the Supreme Court should. Yeah, I saw that. I, I disagree with Tony Fauci on that. Yeah, I, and that's where it gets frustrating, where the these and I'll, I'll call them the leftist politicians, not that he's a politician, but they keep coming back and they keep hitting us with this stuff like, well, you don't know any better. See, you're not a, you're not in science. You're not an attorney. You're not you don't get it. You can't make decisions that Mark Polonkars does it here in Erie County all the time. Like we're the idiots. He knows everything and we're the morons. Right. What When is it going to be that that, you know, the Constitution works the way it should the bill of rights works the way it should and these people stop taking you know and our three forms of government right start working the way they should and these people stop 
putting their opinion and putting their rule on us all because you, people are fleeing New York. You did it yourself, right? People are fleeing California. They're going to DeSantis run states, right? What, when are the, when are these people, the Dr. Fauci's, the Poland cars, the Hochul's, the Joe Biden's, the Kamala Harris's, when are they going to really wisen up and learn like, yeah, we got to stop treating these people like they're peasants because it's not working. Never. I That's mean, a good answer. Never. Right, there you go. It won't happen. This is what happens. And, I, and I'm not picking on Fauci. Um, maybe I'm picking a little bit on Poland cars, but uh, that's because I like that. But, um, you know, in the end, uh, the people who are in the bureaucracy, uh, the, the lifers, you know, um, they want more power, not less. Um, and they, they often forget uh, the, the nation that our founding fathers created. Uh, that the people have a voice in these things and that the bureaucracy itself does not control society. They, they're in an advisory role uh, in Congress and the president decides what's happening. Listen, I don't think they will ever stop doing this. But as long as we have a responsive legislature in the United States Congress, a responsive legislature in the case of New York, in Albany, and a responsive legislature in uh, in Erie County, uh, we can avoid these kinds of, I would say, in a way, fascist responses to to terrible situations like a pandemic. But unfortunately, in uh, in New York, especially in the Erie County, you don't have a responsive legislature. They're controlled by the same people who want to uh, the, the power the party Democrat the Democrats control both the legislature and the the chief, chief executive offices of the county and the state. And you're going to have these problematic responses. Listen, we're about to take control of the House of Representatives. And if they don't steal the election again, yes, I said it. And all you trolls in in Erie County and Western New York, I did say that. Um, If they don't steal it again, we're going to take the Senate as well. Watch it, though. Watch it. Because they're going to do the same thing they did in 2020 to try and guard a couple of Senate seats. Watch Pennsylvania, especially But as long as the Republicans take control, at least of half of the legislature and perhaps both, we are assured that these, you know, authoritarian directives out of the bureaucracy will not control our lives. And let me say one more thing. The CDC should be gutted. I'm the the former CDC director under Trump. Dr. Robert Redfield is a good friend of mine. Um, he disagrees with me on this. He has a lot of respect for the agency that he ran, and I don't doubt that. Um, he's a very good person, and he has a lot of great, strong arguments against my argument. As a scientist, we need to listen to him before you listen to me. But my opinion is the CDC should be shuttered and reopened. I think we should move the CDC from Atlanta to Washington and let all the 80- and 70-year-old scientists who have beautiful homes in, in Atlanta, Georgia, retire just move it because the CDC is broken into a million pieces. And you don't have to look any further than some of the guidance that came out of the CDC and the, the way that they got to it. You know, I was very critical of the things that were happening in the CDC. And they went after me, hammer and tong, trying to accuse me of changing their guidance, which I didn't have the power to do. Uh, tried to accuse me of, uh, of misinforming the public because, uh, you know, I disagreed with them, which I never did. Uh, They just could not stand someone criticizing them. Let me tell you, I hired an epidemiologist to advise me when I became assistant secretary of HHS. I was the first uh, uh, ASPA, as they call me, assistant secretary of public affairs, to do so. I hired an epidemiologist out of Toronto to advise me just to read all the reports and tell me what was coming out. Because I was told as I came in that they're going to gaslight me to try to make sure that you know, for example, a great example, there was they have these reports that come out uh, uh, like a rainstorm called the MMWRs, the morbid, morbidity and mortality report that come out. There's they're not peer reviewed reports. They're just anecdotal reports of what's going on in science coming out of the CDC. These reports have been coming out for 100 years, but they come out like two and three times a week sometimes during COVID. And they wrote one about a camp, I think. Uh, in the Northeast in the, in 20, the summer of 2020 that didn't follow any of the CDC guidelines and children and camp counselors got sick. Um, and I, my, my son, the, the epidemiologist who worked for me read it and he came to me and he said, listen, this is, 
BS. I said, why is it BS? And they said, nowhere in there do they mention that this camp did not follow the guidelines. Nowhere do they mention that they didn't mask the kids and that nobody socially distanced. I, I think it was a religious camp. They just didn't follow any of the guidelines and the kids got sick. And by the way, nobody got really ill. And they didn't say that. Nobody followed the guidelines. Nobody socially distanced, wore masks. And uh, nobody got really sick. The report just came out, camp held, children got sick, and it came out in July. It was supposed to come out in July when school administrators across the country were deciding whether or not they were going to allow the children to come back to school. Why was it being, coming out completely fill, you know, uh, absent of honesty right at the time when those decisions were being made? It was, to me, a travesty. Uh, and and uh, we, we sent the report back to them and said, you need to you need to put all the information. And they did. And it came out and, and people sent their kids back to school. Well, but it's, it's is, certainly. Yeah, these are the organizations that advise you. CDC needs to be reformed. Well, and it's certainly a bold statement uh, concerning the CDC. And I hopefully a lot of people listen. So before we let you go, we got to do some rapid fire questions. We want your opinion, not just on COVID, but. Donald Trump, Ukraine, Ron DeSantis. So you're you're part of Operation Warp Speed. So we'll do some rapid fire questions. Ron DeSantis, the so-called don't say gay bill that does not mention don't say gay at all in any way, shape or form. You know, they're taking away the special uh, district for Disney. Uh, you live in Florida. Quickly, what's your reaction to Ron DeSantis and the bold, bold action he's taking when it comes to Disney and the, again, totally false don't say gay bill? Yeah, the bill uh, actually has tremendous support, even among Democrats in Florida, uh, rank and file Democrats. The, the, the attempt to try to uh, name it, this don't say gay crap, uh, didn't work in Florida. Uh, Ron DeSantis's uh, ratings are going up, not down, as a result of this full onslaught that came against him. And Disney, for some stupid reason, joined in on the fun. And they're getting absolutely pilloried for it. I was in corporate America for a long time as a PR guy. Corporations, smart corporations, don't get involved in political things. And they certainly, as a pro-family, family-oriented company, don't jump in with both feet on strange things like gender uh, debate. They leave it to to the politicians to debate that stuff. Disney is suffering for it. I'm not showing my, my kids Disney products anymore. We're not buying Disney products. It's a shame because we loved it. My children went to Disney once and they're not going back again. And, 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 and that's a shame. Uh, I, I think Disney lost and, and Ron DeSantis won. And all they did was empower him more. Also in, also in Florida, your very good friend, former President Trump. I know you've seen him somewhat recently. He's in the Florida area. I mean, what's your, what's your gut feeling? Do you think he, your, just your gut feeling, do you think President Trump's going to run again in 2024? Uh, they, um, uh, they threw a party for my birthday in late March uh, at Mar-a-Lago, and I talked to the president, and and uh, I, I, he's leaning into it. He definitely is. I asked him point blank, are you going to do it? And he said to me the same thing he says to everybody. I think you're going to be happy, Michael. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, you look at Joe Biden and you think somebody at his age should never be president of the United States. He's basically drooling through the presidency. Donald Trump has lost weight. He's sharper than he ever was. He's on top of everything. Um, uh, he's finally had a chance to relax. He's been out of the presidency now for over a year, doing the things that he loves, golfing every day. And he's ready, tanned, rested, and ready. Whether he wants to or not, I, I know friends of mine who are close to him as well say that he truly hasn't made his decision yet, but he will directly after the midterms. At one point, he told me that if we win the House and the Senate, he is definitely going to run. If he wins the House and not the Senate, he might run. If we don't win any uh, control of Congress, he won't run. That just makes sense. Let, let me uh, I want to get back to Biden before we let you go in a second, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Trump runs. DeSantis runs. Where do you lean? I, I lean toward absolute and metaphysical impossibility of that situation. Ron DeSantis not run against the president of the United States because Ron DeSantis is young. He has an incredible future. Um, he can be president in the future at any time. He's still got 20, 30 years to run. He's not going to run a suicide uh, campaign against the former president of the United States. This is Donald Trump's nomination if he wants it. You may see some uh, continual suicide runner like Chris Christie run against him. You may see 
somebody come out of the never Trump ranks uh, and run against him. You will see a primary if and when Donald Trump runs. Ron DeSantis will run for president. He won't run against Donald Trump. Um, I'd like to see what appears to be a rift between them healed. I really like uh, Ron DeSantis. And I'll tell you one thing. I don't want to lose him as governor yet. He's doing an incredible job here in Florida. That's why my family moved here, among other reasons. And uh, we don't want to lose him. Well, we'll take him as president of the United States. Hey, uh, last question for you before we let you go. I know uh, the, the radical left and woke when it comes to doxing and putting your personal name out there is very, very trying on so many different levels. Uh, and recently there was a Washington Post reporter, this Taylor Lorenz, that basically, for the most part, outed and doxed uh, the person who runs libs of TikTok on Twitter. Um, so I just want to hear your hot take on that issue where, you know, the left-leaning Washington Post basically outed the owner of libs of TikTok. And it seems like it's backfiring. But Stefan, sure the best, is. sorry, Michael, the best part about that is, Stefan, is she was the one crying on national television like a month ago about right. this whole thing, about getting doxxed by somebody else. And now all of a sudden I she's think- doing it. I think, Mike, uh, you you nailed it uh, right to the wall as usual. Um, uh, there is no better example of the uh, of, of the stupidity of the national media, of the mainstream media, of the hypocrisy of the mainstream media than Taylor Lorenz. Taylor Lorenz is the you know the poster child of media hypocrisy, and, uh, uh, and they can dox conservatives, uh, but they cannot be doxed. Uh, let me tell you something. I, I haven't told anybody this yet, and and you should know this. The Buffalo News notified me yesterday that they're running a piece, a hit piece on me this weekend uh, regarding uh, the the firing of uh, uh, the former vice president of public affairs at Roswell Park Cancer Institute, Laura Kolchik, who uh, openly on her Facebook uh, declared as a public health official that Trump uh, supporters should get COVID. She did that in March of 2020. I, I put that out on my social media. She got fired. She's been whining about it ever since. And the Buffalo News has written a story which is going to basically trash me again about this. I told the Buffalo News that uh, she's also, by the way, interviewed at your former, uh, uh, your old alma mater, Stefan, WGRZ. She'll be appearing in the run up to the Buffalo News story as well. These hit pieces that are organized on me understand I don't live in Buffalo. She got fired over a year ago, 13 months ago, this and she's been walking around town complaining ever since. Here's the problem. Again, uh, Taylor Lawrence and a perfect example of the hypocrisy of the mainstream media. Laura Krolchik, a perfect example of the hypocrisy of the left. I mean, remember, Laura Krolchik is a Hillary Clinton combatant, right, who got appointed to a job for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Uh, a political appointment, understand that senior appointments at Roswell Park can be political, right? And she was in there as vice president of communications, $250,000 a year, going out there, making jokes uh, openly on Facebook, saying that uh, that Trump uh, supporters should get COVID and, and just not get treatments, right? This is a perfect example of the hypocrisy of the left. She will not admit what she said. She pretends that she said it to a small group of friends. She said it openly on Facebook. She says her Facebook was marked private. My Facebook was marked private when my Facebook Live video went on the front page of the New York Times. And by the way, on the front page of the Buffalo News, you mark your Facebook uh, uh, page private. Good luck with that. Right. right and here's the thing, my friends. Um I have, you know, I, I was forced to resign from the Trump campaign when I sent out a tweet of a, a picture of a witch's feet under the house from Wizard of Oz because it was it was taken as a criticism of Corey Lewandowski. And when they asked me, is that a criticism of Corey Lewandowski? I said, hell, yes, it is. I said, and by the way, since I've become a story, I'm going to go ahead and resign. I own my words. Right. When my Facebook Live came out and I said some injudicious things as a senior appointee to the Trump administration, I was asked by The New York Times if I said those things. And I said, hell, yes, I did. And I'll tell you, you take responsibility for your words. Nobody has suffered at the hands of social media faux pas more than Michael Caputo. Well, maybe some others, but, but the Buffalo News is treating Laura Krolchik like it was something that she said in private. And I advertised it. I take responsibility for my words. 
I am responsibility for I am responsible for my fate. My recommendation to Laura Krolchik is take responsibility for what you've done. Move on in your life. Her problem is there are no more two hundred fifty thousand dollar a year jobs where you can phone it in like she was at Roswell. That's exactly exactly. Well, listen, God bless you, brother. Hope uh, on the health. Uh, wise situation. Hope you're healing and well in, in lovely Florida. Vitamin D seems to be the answer for uh, COVID ills and many other, and you're certainly getting that in the sunshine state. So we, yeah. uh, we greatly appreciate you joining us and God bless you. Give your best to your family and uh, keep fighting the good fight with, uh, with Ron DeSantis in your corner in the state of Florida. I will. And don't forget. Don't forget, Mike Stefan, uh, Genesis 1-3, uh, God created the light and it was good. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say too, Michael. Maybe we'll send that response of yours over to uh, Buffalo News and WGRZ so they can get it firsthand right from you. I can promise you, it'll get traction. <laughs> All right, sounds good, brother. Michael Caputo, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, one of the things we uh, we discussed too was Taylor Lorenz from the Washington Post, and 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 Mike, let's just get right into it. Yeah, uh, the fact that you mentioned that she was sobbing, uh, she's 49 years old and sobbing like a baby over the fact that she is the victim of doxing. Let's play clip number one for you. You got it. You feel like any little piece of information that gets out on you will be used by the worst people on the internet to destroy your life. And it's so isolating. And terrifying. It's horrifying. I'm so sorry. It's overwhelming. It's really hard. Okay, so that's Taylor Lorenz, Washington Post reporter, talking about her getting heat over the internet. And on clip two, she's actually whining and crying about the media. And listen to how tough she is on the media when they dox people. Clip number two. Real quick before clip number two, Stefan. You know, and I, I'm going to go uncensored here. You know, you're totally full of shit when you have to fake cry and then your interviewer fake cries with you. Yeah, that's how you know you're totally full of shit, right? Yeah, that's pretty bad. But let's, yeah, yeah that's that's horrible. So, but it gets even better, Mike. It gets even better, the hypocrisy. So let's play clip number two where she blasts the media for doxing people. Puts his full name in the story. Zero comment from this man. After this whole article gleefully encourages this online harassment and doxing campaign, they literally use him to sell West Elm furniture through affiliate links. Once again, commercializing a harassment and doxing campaign. I think the media needs a total wake up call in the way that they cover online harassment. And this is just the latest example of it. And reporters should be adding nuance, not just piling on. Okay, that's an interesting take (laughs) from the Washington Post reporter and what she did to libs of TikTok. It's insane. And now libs of TikTok, so for folks not familiar with it, uh, they basically just show liberals, woke radicals, and it's their words. It's unfiltered, it's uncensored. And uh, I believe clip number three is a bunch of uh, college professors basically trying to make pedophilia common and saying that, wait a minute, we shouldn't call them that because it may hurt their feelings. And they're actually claiming that kids, children, may be engaging in sexual activity with predators and pedophiles. And here they try to normalize it. Let's play that clip. Also, if young people are initiating sexual activities with adults or enthusiastically involved, we can't be effective in working with them if we assume that all such relationships start with a predatory or criminally inclined inclined adult. What? <laughs> what? So so these are the kinds of clips you see on libs uh, of TikTok. And Mike, why don't we just roll through? Let's let's play clip number four uh, from libs of TikTok. Here is Madison Cawthorn's definition of a woman. X chromosomes, no tallywhacker. And this gives me a chance to talk about biological essentialism. <laughs> um, first of all, it's not true. People have all kinds of chromosomes and all kinds of bodies. Women who've had hysterectomies, people born with certain conditions, but that's almost immaterial. Number two, it is a system of oppression. Gender is a hierarchy and a system of oppression. 
Anytime you can throw Tallywhacker into a TikTok video, you, you just got to do it. And I, I was thinking as I'm watching that guy, I'm like, we got to get Mike Lomas to do some of these. Could you imagine him pretending like he's one of these people? It's, oh it's made up. It's almost made up, right? Like you, you can't, you can't sit there and seriously tape yourself saying that stuff, can you? But here's the thing: it's their words that are being exposed on the internet. So l- let's go to the next clip and show people just how insane these folks are. The most controversial way I teach my kids consent is that they all choose their own gender identity because it's every person's right to be who they are. It's that simple. Okay, that's a teacher. And now the the last clip is absolutely shocking because it's a teacher who actually says, and and the, the groomers on the left, these woke radicals say, no, 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 we're not grooming kids to be sexually active and talk about trans issues. But listen in our last clip what this teacher says about teaching kids of any age about masturbation. You know, like get down with yourself, explore your own body. Masturbation is really healthy and I recommend it to people of all ages, all ages. As soon as my nephews could talk, they were doing that. That's what they were doing. Kids touch themselves. Kids start to ask questions and we teach them the language for their bodies, right? That's your nose, touch your nose, show Aunt T, you can touch your nose. But my sister's not saying that when they're tugging at their penis, right? But it feels good, right? Heroin is good for you at any age. My kids do it at age three. It's great. Like that, it makes no sense. Like who would, kids, again, I went back to my example from the other day. Kids don't know what they want for dinner or like, you know, hey, do you want the purple uh, huggy drink or do you want the blue one? That's like the biggest decision of the month. You think you think kids are really going to grasp and understand that concept? Well, and here's the thing, too. So when it comes to libs of TikTok, they're the ones who are basically exposing all of this. And so that Taylor Lorenz from The Washington Post, what does she do? She was sobbing and crying about being doxxed complaining and actually holding media accountable for for doxing others. And what did she do? She doxed the libs of TikTok, Amazon-owned, left-wing Washington Post, and basically outed the person who runs that website and then is complaining about the fact that she's now taking heat online. And all libs of TikTok is doing is basically holding up a mirror. These are their videos, their words. And they're the ones now being criticized by the left-wing media for exposing this. It's insane. It's, it's, it's honestly mentally ill, right? It's, it's mentally ill that, that less than a year or less than six months ago, she could be bawling her eyes out in that video. And then here we are, and she's doing this to somebody again. And, and again, the, the, the shame of it is she's never going to take heat for this. Right. It's going to be the libs of TikTok lady that takes the heat. She called in a Tucker Carlson show the other day. That woman's going to be the one that takes the brunt of this story. And and Taylor Lorenz probably will never see the day to take the brunt of it. And I, I hope that people are waking up and understanding that this is the mental illness that we have going on in our country. This is the lunacy that we have going on. I don't know that. I don't know that a lot of people will, though. And the reason why they're melting down is because finally they're being held accountable. And think about the way they're being held accountable. It's their own words. All this Twitter handle is doing is taking their own words, their own videos, and basically showing that they are woke radicals who want to groom three and four-year-old children about highly sexualized issues, trans issues, uh, when if that discussion is going to take place with a child, it should be being a parent and a child, not a teacher, not a part of a curriculum, and not part of a school district to indoctrinate our kids on critical race theory or issues of sex. And it's driving the liberals crazy because all the libs of TikTok is doing is showing their hypocrisy and showing, quite frankly, their craziness and their melting down. Let me ask you one question because you've been in media and then we'll wrap up. What you saw there with with Taylor Lorenz crying and, and, and making this sob story for herself a few months back, she knows that video's out there, right? Like she knows that she had that less than six months ago out on, on mainstream media. Right. And that when she goes and does this to somebody, it's got to come back to her. Like she's smart enough to realize that. Right. Or does she not? They don't care. That's the thing. They don't care because when you're part of the left-wing media establishment, they know they protect their own. She's not going to take any heat 
from the so-called mainstream media uh, because they will protect their own like her. But thankfully, there's conservative outlets like us, like libs of TikTok, like Tucker Carlson, like Fox News, Fox News, that basically holds them accountable. And it's a new day, thank God, that we have multiple outlets like this podcast, like Twitter, like Facebook, like social media, where we can basically combat that. But it goes to show you the horrible hypocrisy of the left, where they will tear people down, dox them, go after conservative outlets. But yet when the, and the tables turn and they're held accountable, they literally ball on national television, hold the, you know, suck their thumbs in the fetal position and whine and cry about the same exact thing that they did to others. We're going to wrap it right there for today. That was a lot of good stuff. Thank you to Michael Caputo, obviously, for coming on with us. That was a lot of fun. Uh, maybe we'll get into the Twitter and the Elon Musk stuff. We'll see next next week if there's anything more out about that, if he's buying it or not. Um, and we got a couple great guests lined up over the next month or so. So we're just going to keep this thing rolling. And Stefan, as always, that was a good time. And I look forward to doing it again next week with you. Amen. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in.